If a small flock of cartoon bluebirds didn't help you get dressed this morning, that just means you haven't yet listened to Fine Tuning with Jim Hill and Drew Taylor. No, the black dress slacks, please. Thank you. And now, Jim Hill. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor and I are recording the show on Tuesday, June 25th, 2019, and I know it's been a week or more since we posted a new show, and but Drew has a very good reason for being AWOL, and that's because you and the lovely Katie got married back on June 15th. That's correct, yes. We um, we missed you. Yeah, it killed me. I, I couldn't be there, but Nancy had her back surgery literally three days before... You guys got married out in L.A., and I needed to stick close to home to help her after that procedure. But upside is, Nancy's on the mend, and you're now a married man. So all's right in the universe. Unless, of course, you're the guy at Disney who said that Toy Story 4 would make between 140 and 180 million over its opening weekend, because... That didn't happen. It did not, no. But you you still haven't seen the movie, have you? No, no. Alice and I plan on going out to see it shortly. We're waiting on certain thresholds to Nancy's recovery, but you and I have been talking about this since February, about yeah. that was when Lego two, uh, Movie 2, the second part, came out, and that underperformed at the box office, and then we had How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, and... I think just on the last podcast, we were talking about Secret Life of Pets 2. You know, the weird thing is that whenever people would point to this pattern about what was going on animation and people would bring up Toy Story 4, it's like, oh, come on, it, it's Toy Story 4, it's Pixar. That coupled with how Finding Dory did back in 2016, it made $135 million on its opening weekend and Incredibles 2 just last year. Did 182 million, you know, when it was released yeah. domestically. So, as my understanding, it that's how they hit upon the numbers, the 140 to 180. It just made sense that Toy Story 4 was going to land somewhere in the middle there. So, Disney actually, in the past 24 hours or so, has begun to push back. You know, the, when people report that it's 118 million for Toy Story 4's opening weekend, they're like, no, 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 that's the Sunday estimate. We we checked on Monday, we called out to all the theaters, and it was actually 122, but that's still a third off of what Incredibles 2 did just this time last year, and what's your take? You know, this is kind of baffling, because I also thought this was going to be huge, mm-hmm. and I love the movie. It's, it might be my favorite sequel of all the Toy Story really? sequels. So, yeah. The more I think about it, the more I really, really love it, mm-hmm. but... I mean, if you look at the Pixar output over the past few years, besides Coco, Mm. everything since 2017 has been, or 2016, I should say, has been either been a a sequel. Mm -hmm. Because you had Finding Dory in 2016, Cars 3 in 2017, Incredibles 2 last year, and now Toy Story 4. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if people just wanted something more original. I don't know if they thought that the... Toy Story trilogy had ended so perfectly that they didn't really need another one. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, but it, I mean, it is it is shocking that the animated films have been underperforming, and pretty much every sequel this summer has not been doing as well as they wanted it to. As far back as Mary Poppins Returns in December of, of last year, every sequel that's come up to bat, whether it's 
Godzilla King of the Monsters, Men in Black International, Dark Phoenix, Glass, you were mentioning Shaft, even A Dog's Way Home, and Happy Death Day to You. All of them are, are just not doing the business. And just today, Here's Universal releases the footage from the first day of filming of Fast and Furious 9. Yes. You know, and here's Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez on the set and how happy they are to be getting behind the wheel. And all Universal at this point is getting is queries. In fact, are you concerned about franchise fatigue? Have you been looking at what's going on this summer? And it's like, no, 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 don't talk about that. Talk about that we've got a new Fast and Furious film coming. Yeah, but I, w- I wonder with that if anybody's going to go see a movie a Fast and Furious movie without The Rock in it now. Because it, it's sort of been like Vin Diesel and The Rock kind of co-leads, but now The Rock, the Rock is doing the spinoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know John Cena is in this new one, but I don't know if the draw is going to be there. But I guess we'll know in a, a summer or two. But you know how this is. When you're in a, a PR position and there's a narrative out there, and Disney and Pixar are being nibbled to death by ducks, I mean... Did you see, for example, the story that was out there this morning, how in China, Toy Story 4 actually got beaten at the box office by a re-release of Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away? Yes, I did see that. That's insane. If you talk with the people at Disney, well, the first of all, they're like, well, all right, you know, Incredibles 2, yeah, it did $180 million, but that's an Incredibles 2. This is Toy Story 4. You know, we're a little further along, and if you look what happened to China, it's like, well, look, Spirited Away was in 400 theaters, Toy Story 4 was in just 100 theaters, you know, it, it wasn't going to be physically possible for it to do the sort of box office that Spirited Away did, and I don't want to keep hammering on Toy Story 4 at this point. In fact, you have that great story about the alternate ending to Toy Story 4 that, why would they leave that out? That's so beautiful. A couple of people have told me about this version of the ending, and these movies go through a lot of different permutations as we've talked about Mm -hmm. all the alternate versions of your favorite movies, but I'm going to go ahead and put a spoiler warning out there. If you have not seen Toy Story 4, just skip ahead in the podcast a few minutes. But Toy Story 4 introduces us to this idea that on the bottom of Woody's boots is Bonnie's name, and half of it is on one shoe and half of it is on the other shoe. So one shoe says B-O, and the other says N-N-I-E. And when Woody decides to make his final decision to stay with Bo and, and leave the other toys behind, he actually takes his boot and scrapes off the bottom of his left boot, so underneath his boots just says Bo which I thought was very cute. And there were a couple of different versions of this. Mm -hmm. At one point, he stepped in a um, pizza. (laughs) Yeah, that is actually true. Um, And so that left him with the BO. But I just think it's a really beautiful end and a kind of very powerful bookend to the whole saga. But it is not in the movie. Mm -hmm. It might be in the special features of the DVD or something. But uh, I just thought I would share that with with you guys. Okay. Love that story. And speaking of Pixar, it once upon a time, John Carter of Mars was supposed to be Pixar's very first live action movie. And however, by February of 2012, when this Andrew Stanton film finally made it to theaters, John Carter was now a Walt Disney Pictures release. And the story I've always heard is that that was actually John Lasseter's call. And he was very, very protective of, of Pixar's reputation as a hit factory, and there was already concerns about John Carter, so it's like, let's move that over to Disney. And 
The We Only Produce Hits thing uh, kept going right up until November of 2015 with The Good Dinosaur, which I still like that movie. I mean, I know it didn't do giant box office, but I thought Peter Somm and the team did some amazing work. I mean, especially loved the scenes with the trio of T-Rexes that, that ride herd on the mammoths or the cattle or whatever they are, and that wonderful scene by the river where the little human boy and the brontosaurus you know sort of share their family stories but john carter there's no getting around the fact that with a 300 million dollar production budget it still is the eighth most expensive film in hollywood history and when you factor in that it only did 284 million dollars worldwide this movie lost hundreds of millions of dollars for for disney and andrew stanton to his credit turned around and delivered finding dory for disney which was you know a billion dollar worldwide ticket seller back in 2016 and here's the guy you'd think after what happened with john carter who'd be steering clear of getting back into live action and that's really not the case he did Two episodes of season two of Stranger Things uh, back in 2017. He did an episode of Better Call Saul last year. And just last night, Alice and I were watching the premiere of Legion on FX. And so who's the director of this episode? But Andrew Stanton. Now, he's listed as one of the the screenwriters on Toy Story 4. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a bunch of people listed for story, but he's the only one listed... uh for screen or he's one of two writers that are listed as the screenplay and from what i understand he really did steer the ship on on the screenplay for this one which is pretty interesting were you as intrigued as i was with last week's you know announcement we've been puzzling for a while now about we knew that pete doctor was working on a movie but we finally got the announcement of, of soul right is that what it's called yeah and i think that we were both blown away that it's coming out in Jeez. a year <laughs> exactly a year like we have had nothing, no advanced mm-hmm. word on this. There have been no images. There's still no images. There's no, mm-hmm. been no footage. And yeah, it's coming out a year from now. The new movie by Pete Docter. We're assuming he's writing and directing, although mm-hmm. we don't really know if that is the case. But it, it involves what makes you human or something. Is that, That's like the log line is, you know, what, what makes you who you are. And I enjoy that it's another typically heady subject matter from pete doctor he never does the easy thing no no no, not at all not at all and and so this is what kind of kills me because again given what's going on with nancy i'm just not going to be able to get out to the d23 expo this year and just as we were getting ready to record the show today d23 released info about the animation panels that are going to be going on at this year's event, August 23rd through the 25th. I'm going to lean on you heavily for these things because we have a 30th anniversary of The the Little Mermaid. That's going to be on Sunday, August 25th at 10 a.m. in the D23 Arena. Likewise, supposedly, they're going to do on that same day, the, the 25th, a celebration of the Short Circuit program, the Walt Disney Animation Studios new shorts the stuff that's going to show up on disney plus we also we're supposed to have a, a big pixar presentation aren't we or yes they're going to show footage from onward mm-hmm. and soul and maybe announce some other things but 
it looks like that instead of having a separate animation panel, that it's just going to be part of the Walt Disney Studios presentation on Saturday, which is interesting. You remember those oh, marathon yeah. animation sessions. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But no, cannot wait to get a look at Soul. Would love to hear your impressions of the footage. But I guess the other panel that's killing me that I'm missing it is on Saturday, August 24th, 10 a.m. in the D23 Arena, uh, the Expo Arena, the Simpsons. The, they're going to do a full-blown Simpsons panel this year. Matt Graney's going to turn out, Al Jean, and Nancy Cartwright and, and Yardley Smith, the, the voice of Bart and Lisa, are also going to be there. Supposedly, you know, they're going to preview of the upcoming season, and anybody who attends this presentation on the way out is going to get an exclusive Simpsons collectible. You know, there's a part of me that really wishes that it's comic book guy with mouse ears on. <laughs> that, that probably won't happen, but... No, but I don't think so. It sounds like D23, especially during this transitional year, whether it's Disney taking on Fox or us plowing ahead with Pixar post John Lasseter, it's a really, really interesting time. And speaking of Fox, when, when Drew and I get back from this commercial break, we're going to talk about an anime production that executives at Disney and Fox seem to think has blocked out of this world potential. Before the commercial break, Drew and I were talking about Andrew Stanton and John Carter because just this past week, news broke that Disney and Fox are talking with Taika Waititi, you probably know as the director of Thor Ragnarok, and they've asked him to try and crack, that's, that's the word that's being used in the trades, the idea of producing an animated Flash Gordon. You were mentioning, Drew, that this has been in the works for a while now, right? There's a couple of different directors that made runs at it? or Yeah, I mean, as, as late as last mm-hmm. fall, Julius Avery, who directed Overlord for J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot and mm-hmm. Paramount, had been tapped to take on a new version of Flash Gordon. And for a long time, Matthew Vaughn, who is now... They just announced that there's the new Kingsman mm-hmm. prequel which is just called The King's Mm. Man that's coming out next year, had been really trying to get this off the ground, I mean, forever, it Mm -hmm. seemed like. So much like John Carter, which went through John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez and in the 1980s, uh, John McTiernan, Mm -hmm. has gone through a lot of different versions before reaching, I mean, will this one get made? I don't know, but we will see. People forget that the only reason we have Star Wars is that... In 1971, Lucas actually went to King's Features headquarters in New York City, and he inquired about buying the film rights. The guys at King Features were so ridiculous. They were like, well, yes, we'll sell you the film rights if you agree that this film has to be directed by, I want to say that the way to describe him is impressionistic director, Federico Fredellini. I mean... He directed eight and a half, and yeah. There we go. Yes. But at the same time, also, King's Feature, for selling him the film rights, wanted 80% of the gross. There was no way in hell he could take that deal back to Hollywood. So it was like, fine, I'll direct it myself, and I'll create it myself and direct it myself. And so jump ahead to December of 1980, and here's Universal making Flash Gordon, only not with Federico Fellini, but it's being produced by infamous Italian producer Dino De Laurentiis. He's the guy who made that truly terrible King Kong in the, the mid-70s or thereabouts. And 
these days people mostly know this movie because Queen did the score and was heavily featured in Seth MacFarlane's Ted back in 2012, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. I love Taika Waititi. Alice and I have just begun watching the TV version of What We Do in the Shadows, which is sort of an extrapolation of that mockumentary he did in 2014 about modern day vampires living in New Zealand and we just we went through 10 episodes you know last week of their buds and it's just funny funny stuff so don't get me wrong I'd, I'd love to see this guy take on an animated project though you and I, I I think have talked about the one that he just stepped away from uh bubbles yes correct because you and I were talking about it in the show a friend of the show actually got me a copy of as uh, Isaac Adamson's screenplay which I sent to Drew, but Drew's been busy. It's, it's you know, you, you get married. There's honeymoons. It's things to do, and he <laughs> he's going to read it, and we're going to talk about it on a, on a future episode. But you read this, and you know, it's one of these things where I want to see this movie. You know, especially as a stop motion project. But again, let's not get into that now because again, Drew hasn't read it, and we'll we'll talk further about it on, on another episode. So, what else? What else happened when we were away? Oh, you know, we, we, we missed a lot. Of course, the mm. week that I'm gone, all of this stuff happens. But, I mean, there was the Trolls trailer. What did you think of that, by the way? I thought it looked pretty cute. I mean, I love the art direction of the Trolls mm-hmm. movies. So I'm very excited about this one. And I love the idea that it's the Trolls going up against mm. other troll villages mm-hmm. that are each centered around a, a genre of music. I think that was Oh, really yeah, cute. and I, I love the design of Queen Barb. The character of the Rachel B- Bloom is... Particularly the animation of her in the trailer was like, holy crap, if you're going to introduce a character, do it that way. So can't right. wait to see that. I think that's April of next year. And then, of course, Frozen 2. Kind of interesting that there was a little overlap in footage from the early teaser trailer to this, but what's your take on it? Listen, we we made headlines when we broke the story of Frozen mm-hmm. 2 a few months ago, if you'll re- this recall. True. This is true. And it looks like mm-hmm. we were right, that they are out looking for what happened to their parents. There's all this sort of talk about going back mm-hmm. to the past and, and mm-hmm. this and that. But I think it looks beautiful. It looks like a very bold new mm-hmm. direction. And I, I've talked to people who have seen it, and I don't want to say too much, but they're very enthusiastic about well, what they're seeing. Well, that's great. And they did yeah. a presentation... Earlier this month at Annecy, uh, we had Becky Brees, head of animation and head of effects. Marlon West were there, and they added a little info to the pile that the, supposedly the story picks up three years after the ending of the first Frozen. What Marlon says, it's, it's about two sisters trying to stay together while the world tries to tear them apart. Which... Yeah. I'm into that. All right. All right. Oh, oh, also at Annecy, we saw Warner Brothers. We've talked about that the, those thousand minutes of new Looney Tune footage that they were supposedly doing. And the they debuted a, a brand new short, Dynamite Dance, directed by David Gimmel. It's set to Dance of the Hours. And it's basically Bugs Bunny torturing Elmer Fudd with sort of this endless supply of dynamite. And I guess, you know, we live in, in, in an age full of people, well, you know, you got to give me a trigger warning or, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I just sat there looking at it and it's like, wow, this is like a slice of 1940s 
Looney Tunes, you know, the very thing that parents used to complain about and insist be pulled it off television. Right. The look is dead on. It's beautiful animation. In fact, I, I was sort of clicking through it and going, how much of this is twos? How much of this is done in ones? There's a part of me that's a little concerned because it's such an amazing replication of of what Warner Brothers animation used to do back in the 40s that it's like, oh, please don't... I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love that this is the level of quality, but it's like, oh, God, don't let this all be just slavish imitations of what they used to do. Right. Well, I mean, we, we've talked about how there's like a thousand hours or whatever of footage coming out. So hopefully... Hopefully there will be variety in, in the filmmakers and animation approaches that they've hired. But again, we have no idea who else is doing That's these exactly, things. You know, just a, so, I mean, it was a great sort of introduction to the world. I both applaud it and at the same time I have questions. So love to hear and see more. And while we're talking about Looney Tunes, I don't know if you saw while Donald Trump was at Buckingham Palace during his visit to the UK. There were all these comments about how maybe his tailor should have done a better job with his tuxedo. During this time, somebody managed to put up on Twitter, I don't know if you remember this short, it's called Long-Haired Hair. It's when Bugs Bunny basically, I guess, lives next door to the Hollywood Bowl and there's a blonde opera singer who's performing at the venue and he makes the mistake of crossing Bugs Bunny and Bugs spends the rest of this concert torturing him and the interesting thing is somebody found an image of this guy in a tuxedo and put it next to Donald Trump in a tuxedo and it was it was dead on Drew I mean it was just sort of like and the weird part of it is is that short came out 70 years ago today Drew June 25th 1949 directed by Chuck Jones just one of those weird moments where the universe kind of folds back in on itself. That's hilarious. Again, I know you're busy. At some point, you have to actually watch this show, but especially because... But know, BoJack Horseman, the, the production team, which has been trying to unionize for months now, actually pulled it off. So congratulations to them. And for what we hear, season six of that show is supposed to debut on Netflix sometime in September. And speaking of Netflix, I don't know if you saw the image that came out of... Universal Orlando, especially Island Adventure earlier this week. But they now have a Shira walk-around character in the Lost Continent section of that part of that theme park. Great timing on their part because season three of Shira and the Princesses of Power is supposed to debut on Netflix on August 3rd. And I know that Mission Impossible, and, and this is seven and eight, right? They're going to shoot them? Th there's... Yes, they're shooting soon. Okay. Yeah. okay, they're supposed to shoot in 2019. They're supposed to shoot back-to-back -back out ahead of their, what, July 2021 and August 2022 release dates, right? Yes. Have you heard where they're shooting? Is it By chance, are they going to Toronto? I don't believe so, uh, but, I mean, what would they be doing in Toronto? Well, you know, so much stuff shoots in Canada these days, and I, I was just kind of hoping you'd get sent to the set so I could then send you to check out it's a, a brand new quick service restaurant that's actually just opened in toronto called garfield eats and it's it's a wow. garfield themed restaurant which it's the second in in the chain 
because of course the first one opened in Dubai. Wow. If it was if it was open when I was in Dubai, I'm gonna be kicking myself I, for not going. I, you know? I think it's just opened recently. Okay, good. But the thing is that they, they obviously it's a Garfield themed restaurant. So they of course serve lasagna, they serve pizza shaped like a cat's head, and because this is Canada and it's mandatory, they serve coffee. We have to invent a reason to send you to Toronto because some. Yes. I, well, let's. I want to go. I. I would okay. love to go. Okay. Well, we'll figure this out. And, and speaking of Mission Impossible, what's next on Light the Fuse? I don't even know exactly what's next, but we just wrapped up our three-part episode with Paul Hirsch, which if you haven't watched it you, or listened to it, mm-hmm. you should. We get into a lot of great stuff about star wars in this last episode and john hughes so that's really fascinating so if you have any interest go over and listen to that because it's it's a good one i promise and oh did i tell you i ran into i ran into brad bird and michael giacchino at the uh toy story 4 premiere i saw that i saw that in fact didn't brad bird actually tell michael that he had to go on your podcast he did. He said that he should do it. I don't know if he will. We'll see. But I love that. I love the fact that Brad Bird is attempting to bully people into going on your podcast. I mean, yeah, that's a great yeah. story. That's a great story. It was great. And then he was talking to Katie about the wedding and stuff. Oh, it was it was very cute. So, yeah, it was Brad is Brad's yeah, the man. Very cool. Very cool. OK. Uh, on my side of the fence, we have the usual pile of shows, folks. We've got uh, Disney Dish with Glenn Testa. We've got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. And we also have Universal Joint with uh, Dustin Fuse. We've got Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams. And we're working on it right now, folks. We've got I Want That, but this the our Disney merge podcast. But this one... It's about all the stuff at Galaxy's Edge, and you know, there's only 1,200 products that might take a while. Head on over to iTunes and rate and recommend our shows. Likewise, if you really, really, really like what we do here, if you could subscribe at Bandcamp, that would be certainly helpful. For now, folks, thanks for listening, and we will be back with a brand new podcast soon. Be sure to tune in again for another fine episode of Fine Tuning with Jim Hill and Drew Taylor.